0: Welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity. and hopefully along the way helps you decide how you. Tell your damn story. Today we're going to speak about stuff that scares us. <laughs> Ooh, okay. And that's the first example. Um, and who's doing this was me, Chris Ryan, is a former journalist, longtime teacher, and independent author. Well, I can now officially say hybrid author, be, author because last week um, at um, uh I was officially published in that atho- uh, anthology. So, yeah, I am officially oh, hyphenate. Oh, I am a hyphenate. Oh, there you go. And with with me i am honored to say as i bow to the knee of the glory that is the legendary comic book scribing iconic teenage detectives writing great underused character developing dc and globe trotting (sighs) and creator of the world-renowned blackjack the african-american soldier of fortune Set in the 1930s, whose adventures reflect today's problems, we are talking about the one, the only, the mythic, oh. Alex yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. oh, oh.
0: oh God, what was that?
1: <laughs> okay.
0: It sounded right. a lot like the Tasmanian Devil, which is yes. a, that's kind that's of a that's appropriate that's for that's our yet another pre-Halloween uh, episode. That's
1: right. We only got a few more days before that moment. Well, I hope you folks appreciate what I sacrificed to make those sound effects that.
0: was oh, very scary. And <laughs> after Halloween, it gets really scary. <laughs> <But> we- <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, how are we going to talk about this? What's going to go well, on?
1: Let's now? just, this is quickly, you know, you mentioned ButcherCon, so let's once again, yeah. folks, you know, this is very important that, that you have made a transition in your writing uh, journey that, you know, is well worth taking a moment to mark that time again, which is great, Fantastic. And uh, I mentioned you. uh, I was teaching a mystery writing uh, course earlier today, and I mentioned you. And they would like you to um, to do a guest appearance on one of our Facebook group lives. So you're going to come do that and talk about this very thing. This very thing.
0: Yeah, yes, sir, I will. <laughs> Good. That would be very nice. Thank you very much. Just tell yeah. me thank you very much. much. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, so we'll and where, and uh, we'll take care of that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But again, congratulations, Chris. Well, thank you. It was, uh, it was very cool. Unfortunately, you know, COVID uh, 2020 uh, put um, a different spin on it. So it was uh, remote, uh, zoomified, Boudiccan. yeah. Well, let's hear um, it from virtual. Or else I would have been in Sacramento, but uh, that's okay. Yeah, that's um, right. The goal was met. No matter what it, it didn't the baseline was in, the yeah. goal was met. COVID-19, <laughs> COVID-2020,
1: COVID-whatever, it didn't stop you. You made it. I said, this boy, took him.
0: So we'll a okay. so, uh, copy should be coming, and then I'll hold it up to the screen, and we'll talk about it, and I'll tell everybody who's in it. And, oh, yeah, oh, I will oh, buy oh, a copy because you got got to support. Well, I, I, last time I checked, it was um, in transition from where it would, could be exclusively ordered to wide uh, distribution. So that hasn't kicked in yet. And when it does, yeah, we'll be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we'll be horning that. Day. Let us
1: not run from <laughs> that. Yeah. Okay, okay. So this is good. Um, interesting, interesting week. Um, I guess for me, the the thing that I was is I spent this past week teaching a mystery writing course, a boot camp, um, uh, a short one, small one. You know, so just just hitting some of the salient points. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was great seeing people come up with their own original ideas for stories, uh, working through developing characters and so forth, and seeing a lot of what we talk about. Uh, blossom in them. You know, I got a big kick out of watching people find their voice or their idea uh, for this particular story. And I'm really looking forward to over the next few weeks, because we're talking we're talking about short stories, um, I'm looking forward to seeing them complete at least a rough draft so that we can
0: celebrate that. So that was part of my week. Fantastic. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, there's one other thing. What, sir? What, sir? What, sir? What, well, yesterday I debuted on my... Chris Ryan Wright's YouTube channel, um, a new YouTube show, because you know the world just doesn't have enough YouTube shows. And well, it's, called, uh, Ryan. Yeah. That's right. it's called Late to the Party, and uh, that allows me to talk about books that I love, occasionally albums or, or a movie or a show, but mostly books. Um, and uh, just say, you know, it's maybe past the Uh, public relations or promotion height, Mm -hmm. but I'm still, you know, so I started with Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Cosby. It's a great, great modern noir. It came out this year. Uh, You know, this year has been so long, it feels like it's been three years, but it came (laughs) out this year and and, um, I finally got to read it um, and it was fantastic and uh, I got to kind of cheer it on for a little bit And I put it out and uh, put it on social media, and the first person to like it, S. A. Cosby, which was a really cool thing. So that was very nice. Excellent. Um, But it's it's just uh, if you love books, it's I'm trying to keep it three minutes. This one went over; it was three minutes twenty seconds or something.
1: Oh my god, that's it! Cut! Cut! Cut!
0: (laughs) Yeah, so keep it in like the 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 length of it. Who's
1: your favorite rapper?
0: Someone
1: Reynolds. sent you <laughs> someone I sent you, I sent you uh, a hozar about. What's it, who who is who that who that who that? We had him on the show. Omar. After Omar or before Omar. Inspired Omar. Oh, Tony Jackson. There Tony you go. There you, sorry, yeah, Tony, yeah. I gave him a shot. Okay. Tony, you know, you know, Tony, we had on the show. You've talked about Tony since I think he was born. Uh, He he was a student
0: of yours. No, he was never a student of mine. He was never. uh, Uh, I worked with his mom, and then he was at Rutgers. I'm, I'm, I must have just missed him. He was at Rutgers, and he came in with his um, spoken word. Right. uh, And then now he still does that, but he also does, you know, rap of. Both political and elementary school
1: set, Yeah yeah this which
0: is so cool
1: This is what I want this is what I just want to bring you know, just shine a light on. We've had him on the show here several times, folks, as part of the team here. Omar and and and, and Tony great, great, and they'll be back, don't worry. But uh, Tony just just cut loose with a piece that I just so loved and I you know I think you shared it with me and then or was that uh, was
0: that multiply?
1: Yeah. 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 You know, just multiply. And it's just, it is just so well done. And it's, it's a, you know, again, spoken word, rap, whatever you want, whichever aspect of that category you want to spend time with. Right. It's just so flexible, you know, yeah. and the quality of the work is the reflection of the quality of the people involved. Yeah. So um, this one piece it, he just did was just so well done. And I just had to
0: shout out. So Tony,
1: you know, if you listen to this episode Tony
0: Jackson, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you know what? I mean, it's, we really haven't had schoolhouse rock in 30 years, right? As a man, we just lost the man who brought schoolhouse yeah. rock
1: into existence. These,
0: you know, a hip hop, spoken word, uh, rap, mix it all together uh, version of what that is, you know? Um, and it's interesting because he'll do the elementary stuff he tends to do in bright color. Right. And the political stuff is straight up black and white, starkly yep. black and white. Yep. I don't know if that's always the case, but I, if I,
1: I. I would think it's a it's a form of branding. I would think yeah. it's a way of him identifying, you know, what he's what what the piece is about or the feel of the emotions of the piece. I was just looking up his because um, I want to be able to talk uh, to, to shout out his um, his Instagram. Um, he rhymes
0: with me. All one word. Spell that. He rhymes with me. H-E-R-H-Y-M-E-S-W-I-T-H-M-E. I know why. We push it all together. It looks like some kind of big old fancy word. But yeah, all right. He rhymes answer. with me. Yeah, he they're... rhymes with me, yeah. So it's check cool.
1: out on Instagram, folks. Okay, so Halloween, horror, uh, supernatural. That's what we're here to talk just, about
0: today. Just a point of clarification. Yes. Tony Jackson is neither Halloween nor uh, a Okay, let's go. <laughs> no, it's not a Hawa
1: either. Okay, so, right. go no, ahead. we just, just wanted to shine a little light on Tony, just because it was it was a great week, oh, great stuff, and I great saw that and some yeah. great stuff by him. So um, Halloween and scary stuff, and you know, and, yes, I, I will start out by saying that, and and you know, uh, Chris is always just so quick to point out that I am a senior c- citizen. Um, so I go you back. And, were You yeah. were a senior. What, what am I now? About Twenty years ago. Oh, go eat <laughs> Okay. Uh this 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 is uh you know, I come from the era when scaring you with what you thought was gonna happen, what you heard happen behind the scenes, off camera, whatever, was more prevalent than slashing people and bowling them and watching their guts spill out on the screen. Mm. And so there's a part of me that you know I was fascinated by some interesting special effects. But there's a part of me that still understands that real horror and real fear is in the head and so i wanted to talk a little bit you know and you're going to be pulling from your thing as well but look what what is what is scary these days what is what is what is horror and what is scary and are they, are they the same thing or two different things or well, what affects you what what scares you what scares me
0: yeah i this is not to be political this is to be real world right okay but and i think this is going to be a game changer but 2020 scared a bunch of us okay in many different ways on many different levels and i think that if there's anything in the modern generation that is going to influence the next level of horror mm. i think it's going to be what people and what you know the young writers that are coming up and the writers that have are established or are trying to establish themselves what they experienced this year may have changed the dynamic on what's scary and and you said it very well in that you said
1: the young writers or the writers coming up or the writers who are going to blossom uh from this or through this because again artists you know whether we're talking writers illustrators musicians or whatever we express life through our own filters yeah. And subsequently, yeah, the society that we live within influences our art. So yeah, definitely, it will be interesting. I'm curious to see if we're going to still have a plethora of zombie and vampire themed material, because well, the last apocalypse, you know, seems to be this was the scary stuff for a while. There. Right. I don't know now.
0: There seems to be a a, a psychological trend, supposedly. Um, in a more romantic time in a more self-indulgent time vampires tend to be you know used more in a time when you feel nameless and overwhelmed zombies which is interesting mm. um we, this is a time where you have a nameless faceless bodiless villain right uh, the coronavirus is this pandemic has hurt and scared a lot of people, but you can't put a face to it or, or, or say, it. well, it's from this, you know. Um, some people do assign it a, a location of start, but it's around, it's everywhere now. So, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't care what you say about it. And at the same <laughs> time, then there's a more physical threat that has existed for the whole history of America. But now it's so far in the foreground. You know that entire organizations like Black Lab Black Lives Matter are shining lights on it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we have uh, politics that divides rather than unites, and uh, that whole tearing of every aspect. You know, uh, and coronavirus has affected our health, our economy, our social. Uh, interaction, our relaxation, our sleep, you know. So I, I think it can't help but influence. and I don't think there's going to be, you know, a hundred coronavirus uh, publications, or there shouldn't be. Or but who? there's subtle ways. Like, I can't wait to see what K- Stephen King and other established people were writing During 2020, not what they had written, you know, 17, 18, 2019, and it just it's coming out now. Right. But you know how publishing is. But with all this time. Those who write have been writing Mm -hmm. or those who have I want to hear, you know, some of my favorite artists. I want to hear what albums they're coming out with. Springsteen just uh, uh, dropped an album and it's fascinating. There's a great song on it called Ghosts. You know, it's about. um well, part of it's about aging, but part of it's about loss. Mm. You know, and I, I'm, I I think that we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of art that way. Well, and well today let's we should it. talk about some art that that is here now and uh, scares us, or or delivers a scare really well.
1: Well, I would I would say you know let's let's look at that um, too because again everything's gonna everything ties together, folks. So stay with us. so. You you actually pulled from your shelves from the from the from the library that is beneath this but his house has books on shelves. But beneath his house, beneath the, hat, his house, in the <laughs> catacombs. In the catacombs, there they go on all the way to I think Patterson, you know, New Jersey, because that's like you know, another twenty miles, you've got books. So you right. reached in there and
0: you pulled books from the shelves. What is pull? Oh, it's called the book cave. <laughs> book it, book it, once it. in a while, I see a signal in the sky. Yes. An open book. Open book, right? <laughs> and then I drive out into the night in a bookmobile. <laughs> You'll be fine. All right. So, the first thing I'd like to share sidekick is Leaf. I'm sorry, what? You either have a sidekick named Leaf or Paige. I haven't decided <laughs> which I, I'm going to tell my friend Paige uh, that's, that's what you said. <laughs> oh. All right, so this is uh, uh, um, one of two anthologies that came out from uh, Candisha Press in 2020, and that's a, uh, a, a female imprint, and it's the 2020 Women of Horror anthology. And I finally just started getting to it. Um, uh, it was rec- I have to recognize a, um, a YouTube and Twitter book reviewer called Well Red Beard. What a great name! Well, Red Beard reviewed both of the um, both under her black wings
1: and graveyard. Wait a minute, hold that up again. Twenty Twenty Women of Horror Anthology
0: under yes, her. Yes, it's wings. called Under Her Black Wings, and another one came out this year called Graveyard Smash, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, um, but there are two here. The, the book has great potential. I've only read a couple of things, so I can't there's uh, a review will come I mean, late to the party um, but I wanted to share since we're talking about this today uh, two bits okay so if we're talking about horror one of the things that you have to embrace or you have to love is how horror is delivered or delivered well you know and um, in the story called The Aztec by Carmen Baca which is in this anthology. Um, Her opening paragraph, in a very subtle, literally offhand way, sets the tone for the horror of this story. And, uh, you know, I hope Carmen doesn't mind, and I hope Candisha doesn't mind, Candisha Press and the Women of Horror. Hopefully this will drive some sales, too, there. But here's the opening paragraph of the Aztec by Carmen Baca. Senora Esquerosa, the middle-aged woman muttered, taking a sideways step to avoid touching Senora uh, Altacamani Aruazzi as they passed one another on the narrow sidewalk. The subject of derogatory insults raised a hand in a slight wave as if brushing off a fly. Her harmless gesture caused the rude woman to trip on the curb, and she bit off a good chunk of her tongue right after calling the senora skeleton face. Senora wasn't a monster after all. She would never jeopardize her afterlife by causing the woman's death. If it happened as a result of an initial action on her part, well, she had no control over that. No longer could the stupid thing pronounce the letter S after the Sonora taught her uh, a lesson in respect. So, literally, one wave of the hand. And uh, this woman tripped, bit her tongue, and she'd never be able to pronounce a letter again. And as just, oh. Yeah. We're opening that way, <laughs> you know. All right. And then there's another, uh, just, it's really a sentence. Um, Same story or? No, this is from Sarah Smiles by Christy Aldrich. And uh, I'm reading these things because I want to get some uh, Halloween week stuff for my suspense class. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I wanted to diversify. So I'm looking specifically for women authors. So I've read these two stories so far. But in the story, I guess in what you would call towards the climax of the story, uh, Sarah is explaining to the heartbroken chat that, um, why he can't understand what's happening, you know, with the breaking. You're just a man, Sarah told him. All of you are weak of the flesh. It is not as if you can help it. You couldn't stop yourself from wanting me any more than you could stop yourself from loving me. That's just the way men are designed. It's the way it's been since the beginning of time. The women, shoot me. The woman was tempted by knowledge. The man was tempted by a woman.
1: <laughs>
0: now, it's just such a great biblical illusion. Um, yeah, the one, one of the points we want to make with this episode and, and the, the women of horror here have done it beautifully in under her wings. From Candisha Press. Right. Uh, one of the ways to do it is to write really well, and,
1: and, yeah.
0: and I think both those examples give us some uh, some insight into how you know that that offhand way that caused that, and then that frankness yeah. and subtle bi- biblical illusion was just really really cool. And there's tons more treats in there, so check that, that out. That's right. with a knife, as it were. Yeah, yeah. There's there there
1: are things that. You know, when you look at how you create characters, there are certain things, that types of certain types of people are compelled to do. It is their nature, and depending on who they are and who they're interacting with, this will work for you or against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the I cannot remember the name of this horror story, but just as you were reading it, it came to mind. It's this reporter who mistreated women. I mean, he's he a very vain man, but a very successful reporter. He always got the stories he went after, and he kind of used this woman to invade this or sort of slip into this organization of of wealthy people, because he wanted to get a story and some dirt on them. And the very fact that he abused his relationship with this woman and was used to it, he was a womanizer. Um, He then succeeded in tricking her into helping him get into one of their secret meetings, only to find out that upon her realizing what he had done to her, she alerted them. So yeah, he was in their secret meetings, As the meal.
0: There
1: you go. (laughs) You know,
0: (laughs) and there was no escape. You know. Uh, It brings to mind Rod Serling and Twilight Zone to serve man, right? Yes, Um, yes. One of the people who was involved with Serling and and Twilight Zone was a guy named Richard Madison. Uh, Ah, yes,
1: yes. Good segue.
0: Good segue. Nice segue, isn't it? Yeah. And this is I Am Legend. And the point I wanted to make with this one is um it's a great reversal a great twist on the vampire legend you know um usually in a vampire story there's uh, there's the vampire you know um it was bella lugosi's birthday uh, my friend mike rogers puts up stuff and uh, he put up it was bella's birthday on october 20th so uh you know that's the mind you know most of us have um of, uh, vampire. Vampire, right? yeah. Um, a certain age group, yes. A certain age group. But Matt Matheson, he turned it around. And in the, this is like 18 pages in, it's uh, probably the third chapter or so, maybe. No, it's all part one, but it's the fourth mm-hmm. section or something like that. Um, and he is going about his life, uh, the main character. And um, Robert Neville is the main character. And the only thing he's always keeping an eye on is uh, Sunset. And he has to be aware of Sunset. So you start getting a hint. Oh, it must be a vampire in the name. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but it seems like a normal life. He seems very uh, uh, very much in solitude. And he has supplies and all that sort of stuff. But, you know. Um, so I have maybe four graphs. This is from I Am Legend, Richard Matheson. And what I want to show you is the introduction of the monster in a way that isn't... It goes against the grain of what we've been trained to expect. And 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 that's another way of succeeding in horror.
1: And for those of you who are thinking of the Will Smith movie... Don't
0: expect that. So go ahead. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Yeah. So and and this is you know they made that movie. Th- they've made movie three, three movies times, it, but three. they never never really nailed it. You yep. know, and I think this is such a good book and such a good tale that you just film the book, the story. You know, all right. So this is uh, like I said, 18 pages in. The sky was darkening, and it was getting chilly. He looked up and down Simran Street the cool breeze ruffling his blonde hair. That's what was wrong with these cloudy days. You never knew when they were coming. Ah, well, at least they were better than those damn dust storms. With a shrug, he moved back across the lawn and into the house, locking and bolting the door behind him, sliding the thick bar into place. Then he went back into the kitchen, turned his chops and switched off the heat under the string beans. He was putting the food on the plate when he stopped and his eyes moved quickly to the clock. 6.25 today. Ben Cartman was shouting, Come out, Neville! Sat down with a sigh and began to eat. And... It's only 18 pages into a great novella, but that's that's the vampire. The rest of the neighbors, are, you know? And mm-hmm. it's just, uh, spoilers if you haven't read this book since it came out in, I think, the 50s, early 60s. So yeah, yeah, sorry, spoiler. Um, but it's so beautifully handled, you know? And the idea of the mundane... As tool of horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so
1: fantastic. I am not going to give away the ending, but I will say that you set that up very nicely. And folks, the ending of the story flips you again.
0: Yeah. And right? you know, if you haven't read it, go go to the library. Go yeah. go. You can get it anywhere. Yeah. Get it online. Whatever. Just just yeah. read it. It'll take what an hour. Yeah. yeah, about that. Maybe hour and a half. Yeah, if yeah. you know, maybe a little slower on it. But yeah. Now, yeah, I was talking about use of the mundane. Yeah. To scare. The king of that is Stephen King.
1: Yes. Yes. And another great segue. Thank you very
0: much. Another great segue. Segues
1: are us here today. You and just, just did that. The let my, yeah. Let um, me do my first in yours. Okay. Um. I'm sorry. Let me do my Stephen King. um, Mundane. Uh, Stephen has this wonderful habit, wonderful habit, In everything he's done that I've read, and I'm sure things I haven't read that he's done, he sets up the world that you're in. It is a recognizable world. Mm-hmm. People are recognizable. You, Not that you know that individual, but you know someone like him. You know that right. lifestyle. You know that environment. Something about it says, yeah, I, I get it. I know this. I feel this. I've been there. Or I've got family. that Blah, blah, blah. You're connected. right? Even in the short stories, you're connected. You're connected just before the horror hits. Just before the ugly comes out. And in and, and Salem's Lot, uh, and I read this probably within a year of it coming out, mm-hmm. um, I knew this town by time everything started to go bad. And okay, I, at that point I was probably about 19 or 20-something like that, and so I had no children of my own, I, You know all this kind of stuff. But I knew the couple that had a baby, I knew some of these other things, and I just knew these people... And when, it's a vampire story, when the vampires poison, the, the undead begin to to do what they're doing in the town. There's this one night in the story, this one night where the vampires come for this one character. And I am almost, I'm reading the book alone at night. What what was Project? <laughs> <Audrey? laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm a man. I, I can do this. I'm I can I'm, handle this. Yeah. It's just a book. I'm just reading a book. You know, and I'm reading as a creep into this home and they move and and suddenly I hear my head going, no, 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 no. And I'm I'm almost shouting the words out. And I got to the moment where the thing happens and I slammed the book shut and I could not open it that night or for several nights thereafter because I did not want that to be. I did not want. Other people die in the damn thing. That one hit me so hard, yeah, so hard. And you know, eventually I got back to the book. Eventually I finished the book, but I, with no logic, no pure logic whatsoever, I hated Stephen King for for that moment. You know, I just hated him. Why'd you do that? Damn you! You you care, and when you get your audience, your readers, or your, your your audience in a film or a play, when you get your audience to care about even the mundane or the the unessential apparently unessential non-prime characters then whatever happens affects you yeah, yeah. And the power of really putting in the time to make those characters
0: and make that place real and and i just read that you know i'm going over things oh what did, what did i miss right and i read salem's lot this summer oh geez. summer of 2020 and it well, I wanted to read The Stand, but I thought The Stand was too much on the nose for 2020. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. Like Stephen but, looked into something and like, oh, that looks like a good story to print now. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But this uh, The Salem's Lot still stands up. Yeah. Now, talking about putting a, a book down, uh, specifically putting a Stephen King book down, um, I read a passage uh, from The Shining, mm. and I put the book down for 30 years. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm gonna read that passage to you now. <laughs> oh are you sure?
1: Because yeah. so, I, I can't wait another thirty years to hear you finish it. Right.
0: So uh Jack Torrance is the uh, the lead character protagonist in this and he's watching this um, hotel, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the Overlook oh, Hotel. Right? Oh, mm-hmm. yes. And um, he's got a son. Uh, Danny and Danny uh, encounters room two two seventeen and sees something there and runs to dad, F- absolutely freaked out. Dad already is having the troubles that he is having in this amazing horrible. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, because he's dad and because he's in charge of the hotel, he's gonna go check this room out. And and he's sure the kids, you know, made it up or or just imagined it and nothing else. Just Rome and all that. So he goes in with that attitude. Okay. So I'm going in as late into the scene as possible and still have the effect. So. Um, How's it so far? (laughs) Yeah. I want to make sure that. I, okay, so. Uh, okay, so the the only thing he he finds uh, amiss with this room is that there's a um, bath mat laid out, and that should have been packed up,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, whatever, long ago, right? So, here we go from there. He went back to the bathroom doorway and stood in it. Everything was all right. The boy had been dreaming, right? He had checked. He said something was in the bathtub, so he he had pulled the shower curtain back. There's nothing. He even checked. It was bone dry. Smelled a little bit of uh, cleaning uh, uh, product, but that's it. Right? So, boy was dreaming. There was not a thing out of place. It was a little puzzling about the bath mat, granted. But the logical explanation was that some chambermaid, hurrying like mad on the last day of the season, had just forgotten to pick it up. Other than that, everything was... his nostrils flared a little. Disinfectant. You know, that self-righteous smell, cleaner than thou, and... Soap? Surely not. But once the smell had been identified, it was too clear to dismiss. Soap! And not one of those postcard-sized bars of ivory they provide you uh, with in hotels and motels either. This scent was light and perfumed. A lady's soap It had a, a pink sort of smell. Uh, Kameh or Lola, the brand that Wendy always used in Stovington. it's nothing. It's your imagination yeah like the hedge nevertheless they did move they did not move he crossed jerkily to the door that gave on the hall feeling the irregular thump of a headache beginning at his temples too much had happened today too much by far he wouldn't spank the boy or shake him just talk to him but by god he wasn't going to add room 217 to his problems not on the basis of a dried bath mat and a faint smell of oil, soap, He. There was a sudden rattling, metallic sound behind him. It came just as his hand closed around the doorknob, and an observer might have thought the brushed steel of the knob carried an electric charge. He jerked convulsively, eyes widening, other facial features drawing in grimacing, and he had control of himself, well, a little, anyway, and he let go of the doorknob and turned carefully around. His joints creaked. He began to walk back to the bathroom door, step by leaden step. The shower curtain, which had been pushed back to look into the tub, was now drawn The metallic rattle, which had sounded to him like a stir of bones in a crypt, had been the curtain rings on the overhead bar. Jack stared at the curtain. His face felt as if it had been heavily waxed, all dead skin on the outside, live, hot rivulets of fear on the inside, the way he had felt on the playground. There was something behind the pink plastic shower curtain. There was something in the tub he could see it ill-defined and obscure though the through the through the plastic a nearly amorphous shape it could have been anything trick of the light the shadow of the shower attachment a woman long dead and reclining in her bath a bar of loilla in one stiffening hand as she waited patiently for whatever lover might come jack told himself to step forward boldly and rake the shower curtain back to expose whatever might be there instead he turned jerkily marionette strides and his heart whamming frightfully in his chest and went back into the bed sitting room the door to the hall was shut he stared at it for a long, immobile second. He could taste his terror now. It was in the back of his throat, like the taste of gone-over cherries. He walked to the door with the same jerky stride and forced his fingers to curl around the knob. It won't open. But it did. He turned off the lights with a fumbling gesture, stepped out into the hall, and pulled the door shut without looking back. From inside he seemed to hear an odd, wet thumping sound, far off, dim, as if something had just scrambled belatedly out of the tub, as if to greet a caller, as if it had realized the caller was leaving before the social amenities had been completed. And so it was now rushing to the door, all purple and grinning, to invite the caller back inside, perhaps forever. Footsteps approaching the door were only the heartbeat in his ears. He fumbled at the passkey. It seemed sludgy, unwilling to turn in the lock. He attacked the passkey. The tumbler suddenly fell, and he stepped back against the corridor's far wall, a little groan of relief escaping him. He closed his eyes, And all the old phrases began to parade through his mind. It seemed there must be hundreds of them. Cracking up. Not playing with a full deck. Lost your marbles. I just went Looney tunes. He went up and over the high side. Went bananas. Lost his football crackers. Nuts. Half a sea bag. All meaning the same thing. Losing your mind. No, he whimpered, Hardly aware that he had been reduced to this whimpering with his eyes shut like a child oh no god please god no but below the tumble of his chaotic thoughts below the trip hammer beat of his heart he could hear the soft and futile sound of the doorknob being turned to and fro as something locked in tried helplessly to get out something that wanted to meet him, something that would like to be introduced to his family as the storm shrieked around them and the white daylight became black. I'll well, stop it there. <laughs> Every single thing in that scene is ordered, daring Every single thing. And for 30 years, when I went into the bathroom, you know, if I went into the bathroom at 2 or 3 in the morning or whatever, I checked behind the shower curtain. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Uh-huh. I, when I finished reading that, I, it's not even the end of that paragraph. Closed the, Put it on the shelf. It was uh, my brother Supi's copy. I didn't go back to that book for 30 years. Ashamed. Interiorly, quietly ashamed that I couldn't finish that book. I finally, you know, bought this copy and yeah, finished and reading finished it. it. Goddammit! Yeah. But that's still that's that that little passage, still. And what what did it for me was the doorknob.
1: Yeah. <sighs> it had confirmed that something was on the other side. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. and man, now, here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty of it. Unlike so many of the guts and gore things that are out there, you didn't see it.
0: You never saw it, and I always think that's scary.
1: That is scary because we have an imagination that can create things that will paralyze us, rivet us in front of an oncoming danger we right? mm-hmm. can't move, and yet somebody, you know, and, and no, no, no disrespect to special effects people and masks and all that stuff, I think it's fun and wonderful and all that, but The theater of the mind is powerful. Oh, yeah. Find the right combination of words to pull that off. Now, here, let me give you two interesting um, companions to this experience. One, that will possibly not seem at all to have anything to do with this, but I mentioned last week, when I was talking about vampires, by the way, and portrayals, Frank Langella. Yes. Frank Langella, consummate actor, okay, um, the reason I know that he's absolutely brilliant in his capabilities was that he did this throwaway movie, you know, and don't disrespect everybody made the movie, but it was it was a throwaway movie. One oh, uh, movie. It was. Um, uh, Masters of the Universe. Okay. Okay. With Dolph Lundgren and Frank and some other people. Frank played Skeletor, the villain, who was in this you know black extreme costume and everything with a white skull mask covering everything but his eyes. Okay, so no eyebrows, no facial expressions, totally Mm -hmm. covered the whole movie, okay? There's one moment where he does this soliloquy, if you will. He's sitting on his throne, and he's talking about what he's going to do to dominate and decimate the world, because he's taking over Earth. He's going to take over the world. And it's a single camera shot that closes in on him as he's speaking. And through... That mask, the tone of his voice, the way he speaks, the choices that he made with his voice and the volume and the intensity as the camera moved in, moved in, moved in, made that the most powerful villain speech I have ever heard on film. And yet I didn't see his face. And I was I was remember sitting there going, This movie's this movie's a toilet. But I'm telling you right now, this guy scares the shit out of know, me, you know, pardon my French. But this was this was that kind of thing where, you know, when I saw it, I was in I was impressed. I was moved. I was affected by his speech. So that's one. Uh, again, never seeing anything, no weapons, nothing. Right. The other one is, a, is a, I guess, a B minus movie that was made somewhere. I'm assuming in the 70s. I never really clocked it called Grave of the Vampire. And it's not made with any well-known actors, uh, but it opens with a cemetery scene in modern times. At that time, and the, the 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 typical trope of a young couple, teenage couple making out and maybe hoping for a little more in the cemetery. The appeal of that, I never got. I mean, I I never understood. Yeah, you know, backseat of a car, I get. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, maybe somewhere in the basement of somebody's house, I, I understand that. I never understood, go to the graveyard to get to make out or have sex. D- d- escapes me completely. But anyway, there they are. And it's, again, traditional in that it's a boy who can't wait to, you know, make the moves. And the girl's a little hesitant, but they're getting into it. And then, of course, comes the scraping noise. We become aware of something exiting a grave. And the next thing we know, they're being attacked by this male vampire. And he, he, he decimates the boy. He, and it's brutal. It's tremendously brutal. Once again, I'm watching this on a Saturday. It's my job. I'm watching this on a Saturday. The sun's shining outside. There's a window not far from me. I can see it. There's no night, no dark. I'm not alone. But I'm watching this. The way he kills the boy. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable, but it's not gory. But I'm, I'm uncomfortable. And, and I know folks think, oh, you're just basically squeamish. No, I'm not. But it was something about the sound effect. It was something about the action, the way, the choice that he made to do this, that it disturbed me. So maybe it's not horrified, but I'm already off balance. Then he grabs the girl, and I'm expecting he's going to, you know, rip her throat out or bite her and suck her blood or anything. He drags her into the grave he got out of. And the most I'll say is he doesn't kill her. You don't see it. The next scene, which and that's the scene that, that we, I just described, where we hold on the grave for probably only seconds, but it's long seconds. Right. And again, enough time for your imagination to begin to conjure what is happening. And when we finally, thank goodness, cut from that, we are with the girl at a doctor's appointment, and she's pregnant. Whoa.
0: And what's the name of this movie again? I believe it's called Grave of the Vampire. I love it. And
1: I watched the whole movie because I had to. Um, and the storyline is, you know, it's, it's an interesting twist. But I, I was disturbed the whole time. The because of that opening, yeah. Disturbed me. And years later, years later, I'm watching an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy gets captured by this uh, lead vampire, head of this you know, vampire cult. This right. space, season space. one. Yeah. Right. And Buffy eventually does, you know, spoiler, <laughs> 20 years ago, Buffy eventually does, you know, get away. Not in that episode. It takes a couple of episodes, but she gets away. But for the whole rest of the season, she's acting like a real mm to her friends. She's really irritable. She's She's snarky. She's belittling people totally going against character as she's fighting you know, ghouls and monsters. And I realized at a certain point that we're looking at subtext here. She's reacting the way some women do after they've been attacked. Right. And so those two images came together again. You never saw the brutal act itself, but enough suggestion was made that your mind went there and stayed, it, for me, it stayed with me. And people that I've known with either of those two films that I've talked to have gone, oh yeah, oh man, wow. yeah. So sometimes it's, it's not how much you show, but what you suggest or how you sure. set up and whether or not we care
0: about the characters. Again, so I go back to that. Yeah. Caring uh, care for the characters is the, is the key thing. And then execution, of course. Um, I got to correct, I may, it may not be season one of Buffy, so I don't want, you know, cards and letters, uh, we're okay. Yeah, yeah um, please,
1: straighten this out.
0: Yeah. Um, we got time for like one or two more. I have two quick things. Okay. Uh, Brian Keane, the ghoul, is uh, in and around a graveyard and uh, really well done. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like Stand By Me in a horror genre. Mm. and really well done. Um again, it's it's pitting caring for those characters with, you know, the ghoul, right? Mm-hmm. And dealing with that horror aspect. Uh really well done. Another thing if you're looking for it. The last thing you're talking about, you know, something scaring you and disturbing you. I I when I was a kid, I saw burnt offerings. This is like late sixties, early seventies or something. And I don't remember the context. I don't. Um some old lady was sick, or whatever, and uh, it was an anthology series. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, with the little a little vignette. Know, they're all vignettes. Yeah. And each each one of them would um, have to deal with uh, their path, past catching up to them or their evil mm-hmm. deeds being, you know, repaid or whatever. So, whatever what this woman had done, um, she hears the sound. Bam, dork, you know, and then she hears this thing again, slammed up the stairs, and she's getting more and more scared, you know, and um, she's rich, she has a chauffeur and all that sort of stuff, shades, grin, right, the banging is coming closer, and then her double doors of her bedroom go slamming open, and it's the chauffeur with the shades, and this just absolutely evil grin, slamming in a casket into her bedroom like time's up and the expression of the chauffeur scariest thing ever saw on screen i don't think that actor had a single line not that i remember and i recently tried to look it up to see if i you know had i ever seen that actor before or anything like this but there he is a bit of a legend about that one little moment of being so damn scary. So I wasn't alone, but you know, everyone's scares are defined by themselves. We, mm-hmm. we, you know, it's what you bring with you and all that yep. sort of stuff. Um, that fear of the, uh, of the stranger who had ill intent and was having a great time with that ill intent <laughs> has stayed with me. You know, as recently as A Simple Rebellion, there was a crew that was really having a good time doing their murder and mayhem. And it's the roots are right back to the burnt offerings. You you are um, are so influenced
1: by, you know, your life experience and also who you are. Um, And and again, third great segue of the evening, uh, because again, for me, uh, I've had certain nightmares in my life. You know, at certain key moments in my life, I was... In fact, one of them I was plagued for almost two years with the same nightmare periodically. and It had to do with vampires. And I realized the thing that that broke that that strain was that every time—I'm trying to tell this succinctly—I was having a nightmare. I woke up in a cold sweat, frozen in place, didn't want to move, didn't want to open my eyes or whatever. And that was pretty much the pattern whenever I had this nightmare— and I was lying there, you know, trying to reason myself into opening my eyes, you know, face the darkness in the room, all that kind of stuff, you know, be logical, be even. Right. And suddenly something, like, like a voice in my head, just said, you realize that every time you encounter something in real life that you think you can't overcome and it's going to take you away from who you are you have this bad dream? Yeah. And the fear just... It was like it had never been there it just literally my body stopped shaking my hands were no longer cold i opened my eyes no fear it was an amazing moment and that nightmare didn't come back that's yeah. pretty cool you know but uh, did i did i bring that on no i mean did i reason myself the, the brain just went okay enough Click. Well, logic, you know, a lot, you know, really that, that had
0: not been my friend before. That's right. That's true. Well, I mean, and again, I think that's gets to the crux of this entire episode is that, you know, those who do fear, you know, or or horror really well use a a simplicity of logic to sow the seeds of normality Mm -hmm. and then twist them a little bit so that you feel safe and then you don't. Right. And once that door is open, yeah. right? When the nightmare began for you, the door was open and you couldn't st- stop and say, let me philosophize. It was too late. Right. <laughs> <laughs> same thing here. You, you, you kind of get us. Okay. I know this town. I recognize things. You know, King was the first one that I f- saw a box of cornflakes in one of his stories. You know, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that, you know, it's been so long. I don't know if that's an actual or fabricated memory from a review or something. But that idea of using the mundane aspects of modern life to lull you into a a sense of security and then it happens, you know, whatever it is.
1: (laughs) If you read horror or if you enjoy it in your film or television, you know, viewing, Mm -hmm. you will find... That what they understand is that people, all people, have fears. It's just a matter of which one can I key into that determines how impacted you are by this story. Right. And and do it well. Understand a certain element of human psychology, even the basics, which is we are all afraid of something. If we can find the common denominators, I can get even more of you. I can pull even more of you into this. You know. And that's that's the beauty of it. It's 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 like when I tell my students that as writers, you know, for entertainment purposes, uh, whether it's screenplays or books or whatever, we manipulate people. We manipulate your emotions. We understand how to put together a string of words or moments that cause you to rise and fall emotionally with us as we tell you this story. Mm -hmm. So we want to get better and better at that. I say I'd like to think that we do it for the right reasons. But the bottom line is we are still manipulating. We're playing with you. So we need to understand who we are, but we need to understand our audience as well.
0: So if you are writing or if you're just looking for some good scares, we hope we provided some ideas for you. Please do. and, And some inspiration in case you want to go and write your own damn story and scare other people
1: yeah, <laughs> scare as many of them again. Especially this coming week, you know. Enjoy yourselves, have a good time, and and please let us know what did we hit that that made that rang a bell for you. What did we miss? You know, throw some of that out there. And you know, I think the next time we meet will be right after Halloween, so we can at least mention some of that.
0: True, we're gonna be. Oh, it'll be it'll be before it'll be right before the next horror. <laughs> He said being socially conscious.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Everybody. All right then. Thanks again, Chris. As always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, sir. And and again, folks, um, I suspect he's going to give me a list of some of these book titles that he's mentioned, and I'll add them to our list there so you'll be able to find them in hashtag form or something close to it uh when you when you check out our episode. So have a good one, everybody. See you next time. Chris, take care, man. Give or in this case, this week, boo. <laughs> yeah.